Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast where we revisit NHL players' cases for the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley and I am with Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, today we have the class of 1975 and it's a really different one from the class of 1976. And one of the fascinating things about the class of 1975 is, is this the straw that broke the camel's back? in terms of like massive classes getting in uh, the five players. Uh, and and of course, in 1976, we had two. And then many, many years between 1976 and when the four became standardized, there were two or three getting inducted. There was one or two in our last few, uh, the last like 10 or 12 episodes where there was actually four players, but I feel like, but usually it's two or three. Yeah. And this is, this is the last of a number of classes in which the hall had inducted five or even, I think sometimes six players at a go. And it was the mid 70s. So, you know, some they were still trying to, I think, put in the right people, uh, you know, because there was a they were still like, even if they were doing like the very beginning, they inducted a whole bunch of people right off. But I think there's still some feeling that they didn't necessarily have all the right people in, uh, you know, and, and like one of the guys here is from the 20s. But like, it's also, you know. It's also you do wonder, and not being alive then, who knows? But you do wonder if there was a bit of a reaction at some point that they were inducting five people a year, and someone was like, "Hey, maybe, <laughs> maybe not everybody belongs in the Hockey Hall of Fame." <laughs> so uh, to that end, we have five players. We have, uh, hilariously enough, we have um, almost a hockey team. Uh, we have three forwards, a defenseman, and a goalie. We're missing one defenseman, um, so I guess they're uh, they're on the penalty kill, but they haven't really chosen the right players. Um, and we're going to start. So the five players are actually uh, multiple Maple Leafs, um, and then some Blackhawks. Uh, so we have uh, George Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> we have George Armstrong. We have Ace Bailey. We have Gordy Drillon. I don't know how I'm pronouncing that last last name right or not we have pierre Pelot and we have glenn hall um we're doing them in that order based on our sort of general sense of how deserving they might be and we're starting with george armstrong a guy who i think probably when he was inducted in 1975 seemed like an obvious choice to the old people in the sport and certainly to any toronto um if there was a toronto bias to the hall of fame at the time because of course they in the mid seventies, you could, even though they were, they had sucked for a little while at that point, you could still say, you know, I think they had more cups than the Habs still. Right. Cause 75 is before the run of four. Oh no. They're, they're probably around tied. Maybe, maybe the Habs had one or two more, but like the Leafs were still the second best franchise in the history of the NHL. If, if nothing else, uh, uh, they haven't won in 50 years and they still are. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least in terms of cups, they still are. I would say like, I think Detroit's getting real close. In, in terms of other things, we might yes. say they're not anymore the second best franchise in the history of the NHL. But in 1975, I think you could say that. Yeah. And so having their longtime captain who won multiple cups and probably made a lot of sense in 1975. I'm not sure it does anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a Leafs fan, but and I'm I'm ready I'm ready to get yelled at on the internet by people. <laughs> uh, but I think I, I mean we're gonna go over the case and we're gonna see um, no black ink, for example. Uh, ever, <laughs> which oh, wow. is, uh, what is it? I mean, it, he, you'd hope he was a, a great, uh, defensive player. Um, oh, sorry. One, one, one piece of black ink. 
one piece. We'll get to it. So uh, he played from 1949 to 1971, which, of course, in 1975 was a hell of a long time. 21 seasons, 15 are quality by our standards. At his retirement in the early 70s, he was 16th all-time in goals, which is pretty good, uh, 20th all-time in assists, and 16th all-time in points. So that seems pretty good. But he had 713 points in 1,100, almost 1,200 games. He was 11th all-time in games played at his retirement. So, like, there's a little bit of a skew there between, like, points. You know, it's very clear he played longer. And that's one of the reasons he's on these leaderboards. Um I used to be of the opinion when I was younger that like if you were in top 25 in major categories when you retired, you probably belong in the hall. But the older I get, the less I believe that. <laughs> uh, just because like that includes a hell of a lot of people who might not have yeah. been, especially if you if you say like do that in like 1940. Suddenly there's yeah. guy there you're just like who the hell are you? <laughs> um, he was tenth uh, all time in defensive point shares among uh, forwards at his retirement, um, and. Like, maybe that means he was a good defensive player, but who the hell knows? Um, I'm sure there are people out there who remember him who would say he is. But, like, the number of times I've seen people, old guys on the Internet, saying so-and-so was a defensive player and then see somebody else saying, no, he wasn't. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't I wasn't alive when he retired. My parents hadn't met when he retired. I think they had just met when he was inducted in the Hall of Fame. So and they probably met already. Um, when he was in the Hall of Fame, like, like I, this is I have not watched George Armstrong play hockey, so I have no idea if he was a good defensive player or not. Yeah. Um, notably, not in the top twenty-five in any offensive category per game at his retirement. I would say that's fairly important. Um, of the twelve skaters to play in at least eleven hundred and forty-eight games or fourteen modern seasons between nineteen forty-nine and nineteen seventy-one, he is. Um, Fourth in goals, but the third last forward because there's only seven guys who qualify. Fourth in goals per game. Fifth in assists, but again, second last among forwards. Fourth in assists per game, the third last forward. Fifth in points, the third last forward. Fifth in points per game, the third last forward. Fourth in plus minus. Fifth in offensive point shares, again, the third last forward. Um, tenth in defensive point shares. The This one he actually looks pretty good on, the fourth forward and ninth in point shares. I mentioned last the third, last, and second, last forward so many times because it's such a small group because he played so long. And he really, it, it, if you say he's fourth in goals, fifth in assists, and fifth in points, it sounds really good. Yeah. But it turns out that among the qualifiers, he's like in the bottom half of that short list, um, which I think is important. Of course, if we like lowered to a thousand games or something, he would be lower down on a longer list. Uh, his 82 game average is uh, 21 goals and 49 points, which isn't great. But of course, he played in the um, you know the original six era, and was like quite old by the time um, you know the league expanded. I don't see how old he was when the league expanded and scoring blew up. Um, he was in his age 37 season, so he was quite up there. Um, He's also a plus seven, but keep in mind that, uh, you know, his, his, uh, that's only half his career, right? We have the data for um, his three-year peak was a 70-game average of 52 points. So even at his very offensive best, he was not anywhere near a point-per-game player. Of course, many people weren't in the original six era, but the very best players were, right? Gordie Howe, yeah. Richard, uh, Lindsay, 
uh, and then later Hull and Makita, uh, Mahavlish, you know, these guys were all point per game players at their, at their very best. And certainly in most of careers, in most of the cases of those people, uh, George Armstrong, not remotely close to that. Yeah. His playoffs, he was 20th all time in playoff goals at his retirement, but that sounds impressive, but it's, we're talking about 26 goals because of course the playoffs were much shorter prior to expansion. Um, he was 24th all-time in points, but we're talking about 60 points. Of course, he's no longer on either of those lists. He was also tied 18th all-time in uh, plus-minus, but plus-minus is around for half his career. Uh, he was also 21st all-time in playoff games as retirement. Um, 100 played 110 games, so 60 points in 110 games. That's just over half a point per game in the playoffs. Um, he was not in the top 25 of any per-game categories for the playoffs either, which is not a surprise. But the 40 skaters played at least 82 playoff games between 49 and 71. He's 15th in playoff goals, um, 17th in goals per game among 21 qualifying players, so quite near the bottom there. 22nd in playoff assists, um, 22nd in playoff assists per game, and again, he's right near the bottom of the qualifying players, second last among them, 19th in playoff points, 21st in playoff points per game third last among qualifying skaters these these include defensemen i should point out oh boy um eighth in playoffs plus minus and 18th in playoff games so that is not those are not hall of fame rankings um they're not terrible uh he was one of the better you know one of the 20 best offensive players in the league but also uh there's a six-team league so yeah um, you're a second liner probably yeah yeah his his adjustment for and he certainly was a first liner at times, um, mm-hmm. but the Leafs were also often there was a stretch during his career. Uh, certainly when he first got on the Leafs, the Leafs were known for being a better defensive team. Like they won in the late 40s, I think mostly because of their defense, not because of their yeah. offense. Uh, hockey Reference um, bumps him up uh, as it always does for original six guys. The adjustment for era bumps him up to 56 points for 82 games, so still far below what we would normally be looking at for a Hall of Fame forward in terms of scoring um and uh versus x adjustment likes him better but he's he's only got 914 points as opposed to 813 in the hockey reference and 713 um in real life and so he's still way way off a point per game player with any adjustment and he was famously never traded of course one of the reasons he's in the hall of fame is because he was a leaf forever um and probably had some leafs like all-time scoring records to when he yeah. retired and bother looking that up his accomplishments it's as i've said many times on this uh podcast we we use google docs and uh sometimes a player's accomplishments will run like a page and a half like and um you know uh, armstrong's fit on my the entirety of my screen and don't get to the bottom of the screen he has seven all-star game appearances he was never a top player by point shares he scored 20 goals four times he was top 10 in points per game once. He was never top 10 in points ever. He scored 50 points three times. He was top five in plus minus once. His versus X peak, uh, which is a calculation that uh, the hockey, uh, the history of hockey forum does um, to like show how players rate, like rank all time among um, for a particular peak. He doesn't qualify. He didn't score enough to make his top seven seasons. And for top 10 seasons for goals, he's 218th all-time. Assists, he's 248th all-time. And points, he doesn't even qualify. It's safe to say, based on this, if he should be in the Hall of Fame, 
before we get to the uh, the last thing, um, it's uh, it's because of his defense, which we don't know anything about. Yeah. Um, so he the only time he ever led the Leafs in the playoffs in scoring was on a team that got eliminated in the first round in 1956. He did lead the playoffs in plus minus on two separate champions, uh, Stanley Cup winners in 63 and 64. Uh, but he was a top three forward by points. He was also a top three forward by points on the 62 Leafs, who also won. And uh, and he was a uh, top six forward by points on the 60 Leafs, who uh, lost in the final. Um, and he was a top nine forward in points on the infamous 67 Leafs, as well as the 59 Leafs, um, which is like right in the middle of his career. So he just must not have scored much. We don't have ice time, of course. Yeah. So here we have a guy who was never the best player on his own team. Um, in the playoffs or in the regular season, he never, he had one year, one year where injuries prevented him from being on a leaderboard, but otherwise was never on an offensive leaderboard, never in the top 10 in a six team league. He somehow made seven all-star game appearances in the originals yeah. there, which is bonkers given um, the fact that there was, you know, I mean, I guess there were six teams, so it was much more likely to make it, but there's, we talk about guys who have better cases who made like three. Yeah. Um, and like the versus X peak adjustment really doesn't like it makes him look like you know a top fifty all time forward or a two fifty I mean which is like you know probably not super where we want to be in, inducting guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said before, it, the only thing is is there an argument that he was a great defensive player and we just don't know. Yeah. And I unfortunately did not read enough about him to know if that's true, but like. Uh, this is one of those things that is always I actually wrote a blog post years ago about like does the the hall induct too many guys from the the last championship team of like a a major original six franchise and I looked at like the 67 Leafs and then like the 43 Rangers or whoever it was and a few other teams were like before a really long drought and I didn't really come up with a great theory but like the 67 Leafs have like a million guys in the Hall of Fame um and there's a few other like teams like that. Um, but to me, like this is one of those guys where when I first read about his case, I was like, uh, is he in because he was the captain of the Leafs for a long time? Like, is that it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I have never been told anything beyond like stupid intangible leadership stuff about why he should be in the hall of fame personally. I'm open to someone telling me that he was a great defensive player, but like, yeah, it's like, you just can't prove it. Right. Like uh, unless yeah. you go back and start watching all the games from his era. Yeah. yeah. One of, and, and even then, like, I, I really feel like you have to have seen his whole career. Yeah. You, you know, like <clears throat> one of those things where if, uh, you know, like, like I always talk about, you know, well, my parents said that guy was really good. So I kind of take their word for it. Cause they mm-hmm. saw the they watched a lot of original six hockey. Um, and you know, like a guy like Tim Horton, like, oh yeah, he was really good. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, you know, and then anyone, anyone their age that I've asked about it, like, oh yeah, he was a hell of a player. So it's, I haven't heard anything about George Armstrong. He's never come up in conversation. So I don't know. Like it's. If you go on like, hockey reference, you'll see like appearances on leaderboards and stuff. It's two lines. Sorry. It's mm. three lines, but barely it's yeah. there's seven things. And like, you know, one of them is penalty minutes. You know, he does have a, he d- was 
uh, top 10 and shorthanded goals a bunch of times. So he was a penalty clear uh, killer, clearly. But yeah, so that's some indication that is he was a better defensive player than some. I, I, I don't like doing it because I find I often really disagree with hockey writers. Yeah. Um, but the, those seven all-star game things that kind of like, that's like a little flag of like, oh, maybe he's way better than the stats indicate. And yeah. everybody knew it. And or <laughs> the Toronto media <laughs> voted. Well, but the here's the thing, game. Bill. He never made even a second end of season all-star team. Like he never yeah. made the first or second. Yeah. And as much as I am inclined to say, well, yeah, seven all-star games is something. Yeah. I put way more stock in the end of season teams. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. He wasn't considered one of the, you know, two best right wingers ever, ever no. by the writers. That makes sense. Cause he never scored enough. Yeah. How, how many cups did he win? Uh, four. Yeah. Including three I, in a I, row. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's why he's in. But yeah. It's got to be right. And, and, and he did. So here's, here's one thing to his credit that I didn't mention. He led the playoffs in 1962 in even strength goals, which, in our era now, people see a lot more value in that than power play goals, of course. Yeah. So that's something. But, like, he also shot 19% um, that yeah. year, the second best of his playoff career uh, since it was tracked. And, like, he only had seven goals. He had six even strength goals and one power play goal and did not lead the playoffs in goals. So, I don't know. To me, like I said, I'm open to someone coming along and saying, no, you don't understand. He was a really great defensive forward. He was the best defensive forward of the fifties or one of the two, or like, cause if there's a few other guys that people would say that about. Yeah. And then maybe I guess, but like, this is not, if you go, you can look on, you can look on our notes when, when the blog goes up or you can look on hockey reference. This is not the resume you normally see of a hall of fame player, yeah. except for how long he played. Mm-hmm. Right? He played for a very long time. And and they did value longevity back then more, I think, than we do now, because yeah, now everybody plays for a thousand games, so it's yeah. not that weird. Um, uh, maybe he's getting sort of the Kevin Lowe treatment, where you were part of a yeah, you know, uh, a, a, a really celebrated Cup winner, and you were a key cog, and you're never the best player, but you were important enough that we're gonna get you in with everybody else who was on that team, kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Um, I don't know. Like, it's, I, I feel like there's quite a few players who have gotten in where it's like you, like, had you played on one of the bottom feeder teams, you may have had better stats. Yeah. But you might not have gotten in because you didn't have a bunch of cu- and especially the three in a row. That's like a, that doesn't happen. Oh yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen so, anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so it, it absolutely didn't have. It uh, doesn't happen anymore. And like that's, you know. That really stands out. I think it's safe to say. Yeah. But we can't induct everybody from those teams that did that. No, that's it. It's like you, you do have to have the stats to back it up, and it sounds like he doesn't. We've talked about this a little bit with some of the Habs players, the, the yeah. like top six, like the or tops, you know, second line. They're either top six or middle six, whatever. Uh, players who have a bunch of cups, and some of them, thankfully, are not in the Hall of Fame. But where it's like, that's the case. The case is like, I won so many cups, but you played in the 50s for the Habs. You know, 50s and 60s. So, of course you do. Like, that doesn't mean you should necessarily, like, are you the, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't see the point in inducting, like, more than the top line, you know, of, like, it depends, obviously. If it's a really, really iconic team, maybe. But, I don't know. Anyway. So 
uh, next up, we have uh, Ace Bailey, who uh, is another Leaf. There's going to be a, there's a few of them. Um, and he played uh, for eight seasons from 1926 to 1934. Um, four of them are quality by modern standards of points per game, but keep in mind that the 20s was a really, really low scoring era. So our standards might, our, our standard for modern standards of points per game for quality is half a point a game, and that just doesn't apply in the 20s. Um, which is also when you, you see their adjustment for error, they're hilariously bonkers. Um, the thing about Ace Bailey we need to know at the very beginning is that he had a um, serious uh, career-ending injury from Eddie Shore. So he might have played a lot longer, we don't know. Um, that's why he played such a short career. And also, uh, the re the uh, reason the All Star Game exists is because of a couple different benefit games that were created in the uh, 30s for various health problems. I think one was for Howie Morenz, if I'm not mistaken, and one of them was for Ace Bailey. So there was an All Star benefit uh, game to pay for his medical care, and that was in uh, 1934. And that is one of the first. I don't know if it was the first, but it's one of the first ever All Star games. Um, so that's. You know, right there, I think you're going, you're probably in the Hall of Fame for that. Um, yeah. As a builder. But anyway, we're talking about his hockey case. So in 1934, uh, when he was forced out of the league because of career ending injury, he was 23rd all time in goals, which doesn't seem very high, 20th all time in assists, and 21st all time in points. Uh, keep in mind, he was like not that old. Uh, he was, uh, he was 30. Uh, and he didn't finish that whole season. He didn't play most of the season. Uh, also, it's worth noting that he came in um, to the league at 23, so he was a little bit older than some guys. Um, he was also uh, 23rd all-time in point shares, and he was 17th all-time in offensive point shares. Uh, he obviously doesn't qualify for per-game leaderboards, but if we lower the qualifiers to 100 goals, 50 assists, and 150 points, he was 20th all-time in goals per game, 25th all-time assists per game, and 20th all-time in points per game. So still not not among the very, very best players. Of the 58 skaters who played at least 246 games between 1926 and 1934, he is 11th in goals, 8th uh, in goals per game, uh, obviously, no one actually qualifies. 14th in assists, 12th in assists per game, 12th in points, 10th in points per game, points per game and assists per game, goals per game. None of that qualifies because no one play, uh, like scored enough in that era. <laughs> He's 11th in offensive point shares, 21st in uh, forward and defensive point shares, uh, 15th in point shares, and 31st in games played. So, you know, not the greatest. Like, we're talking yeah. about a top 10 to 15 player. Um in a league that varied between, I guess in in '34, I don't know exactly how many game, uh, teams were in the league that year. Um, I can check right now, but you know, it was not quite. It was over six. It was. This is we're talking about the '30s, which I think they had like seven, seven or eight. I'm just gonna see. Um, oh, they had more than that, actually. They had nine in in '34. Wow. Anyway, uh, his 82-game average is also quite low. It's uh, 50 points, but 29 goals. Way fewer assists, and keep in mind, prior to, like, 1929 or 1930, I don't remember what season, there, were only one, there was only one assist that was That's ever awarded. Right. I believe they occasionally awarded a second one, but it wasn't very common. Um, his three-year peak 
is much better than Armstrong's. It's a 48 game average of 44 points and 25 goals in 48 games. So that's that's pretty good, especially at a this is 28 to 31. That's when the league's exploding in scoring. But still, that's, he's almost a point per game player at a time when at least the first season of that, if not the first two seasons of that, was very hard to be a point per game player. His playoff numbers are hilariously paltry. He scored eight points in 20 games, but he was somehow 22nd all time in playoff assists at his retirement with only five, which is just hilarious. Wow. That's partly because the Stanley Cup playoff like series uh, totals were separate from NHL playoff totals until 1927. Um, so, so many of the like, like New Zealand and, and, and Joe Malone and the stars and, and Cycle and Taylor obviously didn't play in the NHL, but those guys, they're, you know, so I, uh, Frank Nybor would be another guy, uh, side identity, uh, punch for advent. Those guys playoff numbers are not as good as they would have been because the Stanley cup finals against the other leagues are not counted in NHL playoff totals. Just FYI. If we lower qualifiers to preposterous levels, so he qualifies, he was 14th all time in playoff assists per game, but we're talking about five assists. So that's meaningless. Um, of the 50 skaters to play in at least 20 playoff games between 1926 and 34, he is tied 33rd in playoff goals, 27th in playoff goals per game. Obviously, no one qualifies. 16th in playoff assists, 8th in playoff assists per game, which is quite funny. Uh, 29th in points, 18th in points per game, and last in games played. So he he really didn't play as much as other players. He did. He might have had other health problems before his career-ending injury. I don't think so, but could just be that the Leafs were not very good yet. <laughs> Looks like it. Looks like it. So he did win a cup. So, um, so yeah. You, so far, you might be wondering why the hell we're talking about him. We're going to get to that. Um, the adjustment for era is, of course, utterly preposterous for hockey reference, as it always is with guys who played in the twenties. It bumps him up uh, to an eighty-two game average of fifty-seven goals and one hundred and forty-seven points, which is uh, what was it like one hundred and twenty-seven more than he actually has per eighty-two games. So it's really, really silly. Versus X doesn't he doesn't qualify for that and one of the reasons is you need to have scored a certain number of goals and assists and points in your career and i think that's partly to avoid the problems that happen with these really you know this this other era so uh yeah the the uh, my note says the first ever all-star game that was created to to raise money for him so i guess the morens one must have been later um if that note is correct um, he was a top five player by point shares in 1929, and Hockey Reference has him as the best offensive player in the league in 1929, as well as a top three offensive player in 27 and 31. So for a brief period, he was one of the best players in the league. Uh, he led the league in goals once and top 10 twice. He led the league in goals per game once. He scored 20 goals three times, and he was one of only 13 players ever at his retirement. He was top five in assists twice, top 10 assists per game twice, but he led the league in points once. He led the league in points per game once. He was top 10 three other times in both cases. His versus X-Peak, uh, his best seven seasons puts him at 249th all-time in goals, which is, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, worse than George Armstrong. Yes. Uh, he doesn't qualify for assists because of when he played. And 242nd all-time in points, which is better than George Armstrong. Uh, he doesn't qualify for the best 10 seasons because he played eight. Yeah. Uh, he was a top three forward by points on one final uh, four, which is, you know, means a little bit more uh, in this area than in the original six, the 29 least. But he won the cup in 32. However, at least by points, he was not a major scorer on that team. Um, and he was only uh, 28. So I don't know what happened. If he was just shut down or 
or what, but he didn't score much. We don't know otherwise, uh, like what he, uh, you know, um, what he contributed other than not scoring enough. So his case is basically he was arguably the best forward in the league in 1929. And that's the case. That's it. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I, I think the fact that he got injured in a, in a fight and had his career sort of ended before, um, before he was able to sort of get the longevity that normally a hall of fame career would have. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that plays into it a lot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I was just doing a little bit of reading cause it's been a, it's been a while since I've thought about Ace Bailey. Yeah. Um, and a couple of like really interesting things. One was that he, he really wanted to keep playing, but obviously because of the injury, he couldn't. Yeah. Um, so he asked the NHL if he could be a linesman and they turned him down. I guess they were worried that if he ever yeah. accidentally got tripped or something and hit his head again, he'd, he'd die. So, yeah. um, and, um, he was the Leafs, uh, timekeeper, uh, until 1984. When he was 81 years old, and Harold Ballard told him, "We no longer need your services," and fired an 81 year old man because he's Harold Ballard. Yeah, <laughs> such a nice uh, guy, Harold Ballard. Yeah, and then the other interesting thing too, you were talking about the game, um, the the charity game that was organized in his honor, that All Star game. Uh, he uh, they retired his jersey, and that was the first time a jersey number was ever retired in. Oh, I didn't know professional that. Professional sports. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I did not know that. So he, so before anybody else in any major sport in North America had their jersey retired, he was the very first one. So, um, yeah, I think he's in as a builder for getting punched in the back of the head and you know almost dying. Yeah, um, or hit in the back, whatever happened exactly. Um, and like, and and then like you said, starting the All Star Game trend and and starting the jersey retirement trend. I think these are important things. I'm not sure he has a hockey case. Yeah. I think if we inducted every single player who led the league in points once, mm-hmm. we'd have a bunch of guys in the Hall of Fame who would, you know, probably yeah, not. I, I, I think he's. I think he's getting the bump of like, you know, this guy's career ended prematurely. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was an important player, and who knows what else he could have done, kind yeah. of thing. You know. Yeah. Um, so it was not off to a great start before he got injured that year. No, no, no. It's just and had some bad. His 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 thirty. 132 and 32, 33 seasons were not great. League scoring had gone up and his scoring went down markedly. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he was just playing on a lower line or something. Yeah, maybe he just had like a change in mm. the role of what they needed. They had do. lines. They probably, when he first started, it was probably just like, I don't yeah, remember when the they saw the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, it definitely was in the early 20s. I don't remember when the rosters expanded off the top of my head. Mm. It might have been, been late 20s. I don't remember. Um, but it's because you look at his numbers, his, you know, his his first year in the league is 28 points in 42 games. And suddenly he's like 12 and 43, which is bizarre. But then he's 32 and 44, 43 and 43, 42 and 40. So great years there. And yeah. then 13 and 41 and then 18 and 47. And then he's got only five in, in the 13 games he played before Eddie Shore tried to kill him. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, who knows? I mean, it's possible he would have like had a bounce back, or he would have had some more success after. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I do, I do think you know, even though it was an accident. Um, in fact, Eddie Shore was trying to kill King Clancy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to kill a different guy. Yeah, trying to kill a different guy. Um, I do think like the fact that the All Star Game was created for him, and the fact that the jersey thing you brought up, I think those are pretty notable things. Mm-hmm. And that combined with the fact that he was briefly the best forward in the league, even if it was briefly, 
He also did he win an Allen? Oh no, he didn't win an Allen Cup. He played in the Allen Cup, but he didn't win it. Did he win a Memorial Cup? No, he played in it. That would have been helpful. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I think I'm okay with him in in as a builder. I I don't. Yeah. I know he was inducted as a player. I'd rather he be in as a builder. But yeah, I I, I think I think I'm okay with him, given the unfortunate circumstance that ended his career and the fact that he was the first player to have his jersey retired. Like he's so yeah. important. Um, to the game, uh, yeah. I, I feel like yeah. I feel like I'm okay with him being in. You those know, like, guys, those guys got to be in the hall. Um, yeah. Even yeah. if you know, like it's fine to induct people for things other than just like they were a star. You know, and he was briefly yeah. a star. I mean, he's called Ace after all. That is the yeah, Ace. Got the, when usually when you've got a nickname, you're something special. Although a yeah. lot of people have nicknames. Back yeah, yeah. Then. It's, it's, more it's actually uh, it's funny you say that because like. Um, I can't remember the name now. I was looking at some like you know bench player in the NBA the other day on their basketball reference plays page, and one of their uh, nicknames was just hilarious. Like you know, like not God, but like you know, really, really flattering. And it's like this person can't start in the NBA. <laughs> oh, wait. do you have any idea who Eric Bledsoe is? No, I do not. Eric Bledsoe is a uh, physical uh, like point guard who like definitely had a lot of athletic gifts, but like was never in great situations at first and you know it's just not he you know he was a, he was a starter for a while i think he honestly he might even be out of the league now i think he's a bench player his nickname is baby lebron and it's just really funny because it's like <laughs> you're not anywhere near good as baby lebron would be dude. yes yeah well, baby baby lebron's on his way i think uh, his kids yeah 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 the real baby lebron is coming for eric bledsoe's nickname there you uh, go uh, um anyway yeah actually- it, sorry go ahead yeah, it's actually interesting that uh, you, you you mentioned King Clancy was the one that Eddie Shore was trying to kill and accidentally yeah. hit Ace Bailey. I I uh, I met both their sisters. <laughs> oh, uh, King, King. My mom used to work at a used to work at an old folks home. That's and I, right. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, King Clancy's sister and Ace Bailey's sister. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. Yeah. As soon as you brought up King Clancy, it's like, oh yeah, it's true. I did know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really neat. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, because this is a Leaf-centric podcast, the next player is also a Maple Leaf. <laughs> it's weird. We we usually don't indu- talk about a lot of Maple Leafs because they haven't had a lot of people to induct um, in recent years. Yeah. But, uh, like I said earlier, they were not that far off from their last cup in 1975, and they still seemed like an important franchise. <laughs> and this guy, this guy's a little different. Like, Gordy Drillon... Um, you know, uh, well, he's from Moncton, so it's probably like French, right? Yeah. Drillon? Drillon? I don't know. I have no idea. Drillon? Maybe. Yeah. Drillon. I'm, I'm sure it's pronounced Drillon in Toronto, so let's just. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so he only played for seven years, so even shorter than Ace Bailey. Uh, but he had a little more success in that time. And like Bailey, he has a really good excuse as to why his career ended when it did. He went to World War II. Oh. Um, now, um, for some reason, he didn't come back as a pro afterwards. Huh. I have no idea why. He played. Uh, it looks like he he was still in the in the army or sorry in the air force after the war ended because he played for the Halifax Air Force team in 1945-46, like after the war. And then he was playing for like the local legion. I don't know okay. what happened, but he chose not to return to the NHL. And that's really weird because a lot of guys who left 
came back. Yeah. Maybe and, he just really enjoyed being in the military and was like, I'm yeah, a military man now. It's possible. He was yeah. only in his, like, he was in his 30s, but, like, you know, yeah. not that crazy. Anyway, seven years, very short career, the kind of career that you might think, I, I think in some years, seven years might be too short for a Hall of Fame player, but I, I think, as we talked about with World War One as well, I think if if a guy's career ends because he uh, he he went to war and I believe in this case um, possibly volunteered, some of these guys volunteered, right? Yeah, he uh, he volunteered to serve in the Air Force. Anybody who like their NHL career ended too soon because they volunteered to serve in World War One or World War Two, as far as I'm concerned, you know, yeah, that's fine. Um, so he was 22nd all time in goals when he left for World War Two. Um, he had 295 points in 312 games, which again doesn't sound that great, but that's quite league a bit. Still, yes, league scoring was quite low in the. He didn't play in the 20s, and the 20s was very low. In the 30s, it was higher, but still not crazy. And it actually exploded in 43, 44, whenever all the good players went to serve in the army. So that's when scoring really took off. Uh, there was a talent dilution uh, for a few years, and then I guess after that everybody came back there was just there was also a surge of talent but like so he played a really scoring low scoring era so it's not that crazy as we'll see um he actually was a really strong offensive player for his era he doesn't qualify for points per game um but if we lower the qualifiers to 150 goals 100 assists and 250 points so that he does qualify he was fourth all time in goals per game which is just really really high um i forgot i i need to write a note i forgot to put um who he was behind. Um, but like, we're talking about like side identity or somebody like that, I think. Yeah. And maybe Charlie Conacher or somebody like that. Like, like some of the best, you know, players ever up Not to that. that era, point. Yeah. Um, this is where he gets impressive. And this is where I think he has a much stronger case than Bailey or Armstrong um, of the 40 skaters to play in 246 games, three modern seasons between 1936 and 1943. He is first in goals by 17, which in the 1930s is a lot of goals. He's first in goals per game. Obviously, no one actually qualifies. He's seventh in assists, tied seventh in assists per game, and second in points, and third in goals uh, points per game. And he's also first in offensive point shares. He is, by goals and offensive point shares, the best forward in the league through that period. Um, so that's cool. Uh, he's fourth in point shares, tied 14th in defensive point shares among forwards, and 14th in games played. His 82-game average is almost a point per game. Imagine that, Bill. Yeah. 78 points, 41 goals per 82 mm-hmm. games. 41. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, for an era that no one scored in. That's without adjusting for era. Wow. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. Weirdly, his three-year peak is also not quite a point per game, so I guess he was just great his whole career. His uh, three-year peak of 38 to 41 is a 48-game average of 45 points, but 24 goals. So a goal, every, just like his 82-game average, a goal every other game. He scored a goal every other game for his career, which is pretty great. His playoff numbers um, are also, in terms of goal scoring, quite good. He was first all-time in goals in playoff goals when he left for the for World War II. First all-time. He was ahead of the next guy by seven, and he had 26 total. So that's a lot. He yeah. was ahead by well over a third. It's just okay. crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, he's tied 16th all-time in assists, and he was first all-time in playoff points as well. So 
you know, we're talking about a, a star. Um, he was also tied 18th all time in playoff games. So compare that with Armstrong. Armstrong had more like was higher up on the games played list than he was on the offensive uh, categories. This guy is first all time in goals and points and 18th in games. Obviously, he doesn't qualify for per game. I keep saying this. If you lower it to, um, well, actually, he does qualify for goals. My apologies. He did because he scored over 20. So he's first all time in, in playoff goals per game, and he was the only player to have scored 20 goals. So he's the only one who qualified. Uh, if you lower the qualifier uh, to 15 goals so other people can uh, participate, he was third all time. And I, I did not uh, write um, who is ahead of him. Um, so I should do that later. Uh, he doesn't qualify for playoff assists per game or points per game, but if we lower the qualifiers enough to 15 assists and 40 points, he was 17th all-time in playoff assists per game. Uh, and way, way down there. He was clearly a goal scorer because he's third last among the players. And he's first all-time in playoff points per game by a whopping .13. So, like, was that seventh seventh of a point? Um, now, there's only two qualifying players. But uh, still, he's clearly one of the best goal scorers Perhaps the best goal scorer, certainly, of the, uh, you know, very yeah. close to the goal scorer of the early NHL. Um, of the 12 skaters to play in at least 41 playoff games between 1937 and 1943, he is first in playoff goals, and he's ahead of the next guy by nine. And again, this guy had 26. Wow. So he's he's ahead by a, almost, not quite a half, uh, uh, not quite 50%, but a lot. First in playoff goals per game, ahead by 0.15. So that's, what, a sixth? Um, fifth in playoff assists, fifth in playoff assists per game, first in playoff points, first in playoff points per game, second in playoff games. He is one of the best playoff performers of his era, and there's no doubt about it. Um, the hockey reference adjustment for era does a hilarious thing, as it does with 20s players. It bumps him up to 122 points per 82 games, which is just bizarre and hilarious. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, means nothing. Um, versus X, he doesn't qualify for assistor points, but he does qualify for goals. Um, he is actually, and this is the problem with the versus X, because as we talked about many times on the show, versus X, you know, hockey reference over, uh, like really inflates 20s and 30s players versus X really inflates 30s through the end of the original six era, but especially 30s and 40s players. Mm-hmm. Gordy Drillen is first all time in versus X goals per game. So at least according to this, he is the best goal scorer in the history of the NHL. Now, I don't believe that for a second, um, but, you know, he's still good. It's very clear he was very good. It's just, yeah. you know, he, uh, the, 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 that particular adjustment definitely inflates guys who played specifically around this time. He was traded once uh, before his 29th birthday. Um, now, he only, he never... Uh, oh yeah, he only yeah he was traded to Montreal and then he he uh, yeah so he played one season for Montreal. Um, I believe he was traded for cash. Seems like a bad idea to trade one of the best goal scorers in NHL history for cash <laughs> and not get a player back. But that's what the Leafs did. Um, and then I mean, he immediately went to uh, World War II after that. So wow. he played one season for them. His accomplishments: he won the Bing. In 1938, we care a lot about that. He was a first-team All-Star twice and a second-team All-Star once. And again, this is in a career that was seven seasons long, so that's almost half his career. 
He was a top five player by point shares in 38. He was top 10 in 41. He was the best offensive player in the league, like Ace Bailey was, but nine years later in 1938. He was a top three player by offensive point shares in 38, 40, and 41. He was a top 10 offensive player six times total. He led the league in goals once. He led the league in goals per game once, but he was top 10 in goals six out of seven seasons, and he's top 10 in goals per game every season he was in the league. Uh, which, you know, that's that's a lot. That's good, I think. Um, so uh, what else? He's uh, He scored 25 goals twice. He's one of only 13 players ever at his departure. 20 goals five times, one of only 11 players ever at his departure. Um, assists, obviously, it's a little less impressive. He was top five in assists once. He was top 10 twice. He was top five in assists per game once as well. Top 10 three times. He led the league in points only once. But he was top 10 four times, uh, and he was top 10 in points per game five times, leading the league once. He was one of only seven players ever to score 50 points twice at his departure. Uh, he was probably the, possibly the best player on the 38 Leafs. Let's just pull up that roster so we can confirm. Uh, the 38 Leafs, I believe, did not win a cup. They finished second, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they lost in the finals 3-1 of the Blackhawks. Um, he had eight goals. Uh, sorry, he had seven goals in seven games and eight points. Uh, Turk Broda had a 173 goals against average, but we have no idea what save percentages, so it's between him and Broda. But he was very clearly the best player on that team. Um, and then uh, also in the 39 Leafs, he led the playoffs in goals as well. So that's two years in a row he led the playoffs in goals. One year he led the playoffs in goals and assists. Um, now the team didn't win either of those years, but he was, you know, doing very well. Um, let me just pull up the 39 Leafs to see. Uh, 39 Leafs, they also lost the finals to the Bruins. Bruins had a 195 GA, so slightly higher. Gordy Drillen was five points ahead of the next player on the Leafs in 10 games. Very clearly the best player on the team. Not even close. Um, he won a cup. The problem is... I should mention, they were in the finals, they were in the Stanley Cup finals three years in a row, uh, 38, 39, and 40, um, and didn't win any of those years, and he was the best player through those years. Um, but he did win a cup, and unfortunately, he was injured. Yeah. So he missed half, half the, or half the games, some of the games. Um, and he missed 38% of the games, is what we know. So, uh, yeah. He had some bad luck there, but I, I mean, I think like it's, it's nine, like it's amazing how much better he was <laughs> than the first two guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even yeah. close. So. No, that's just this. That's like just completely pop. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's safe to say anyone who is first all time in goals per game, uh, when they retire. Yeah. Uh, first all time in playoff. Oh, sorry. He was, uh, fourth all-time my apologies but he was uh first for his era um and he was first all-time in playoff goals yeah that's what i mean um yeah yeah, i i think um you know he's uh yeah he was first he he was first all-time in playoff goals is what i meant to say that's what i was thinking of um yeah i think uh i think he's uh he's a pretty i think he he belongs what do you think Uh, i would say so yeah as, yeah, I slammed up. Like, yeah. 
yeah, weird you didn't come back uh, after he left. But, yeah. you know, he did much like uh, Ace Bailey. He's, his career started late. His pro mm-hmm. career started late. He was 23. Yeah. So these guys, these both of these guys, they played like senior, um, I think, or something like that um, beforehand. And uh, yeah, senior and then like minor pro and stuff. They had these, it was just a different system, I guess. And, and so their careers, they had short careers, but they were both like, you know, Ace Bailey was in his thirties and Gordy Drillman was almost 30. Yeah. So they clearly, it took a lot longer to get into the league then. Yeah. And so some of that certainly impacts. I mean, we, everybody knows now, like forwards peak at that age, you know, the, the most elite talent often has their best season in like 22, 23, 24. So uh, even 21 sometimes. Um, so the fact that neither of these guys was in the NHL at that time certainly leaves a lot of, uh, you sort of wonder what they would have yeah, done. Well, it's it's, uh, it's tricky too, because at that time, you know, being an amateur player was also like a bigger deal too. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and some, some guys flat out didn't want to leave home. And yeah. then by the time they were like, I'm a man now. Okay. Now I'll go to Toronto and I'll, you know, they're going to offer me a big contract as of, been doing this for years for this amateur team and they're finally going to pay me a good amount enough money to leave home kind of thing you know yeah. a lot of a lot of things that may have factored in there so i should have mentioned he was one of the earlier power forwards he was six feet tall at a time when a lot a lot of nhl players were not that big or certainly forwards um yeah i mean i think i think he's uh yeah had he come in earlier like you said bill maybe he Maybe he well he played in Pittsburgh one year. I was gonna say, no, he 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 he'd been playing in. Uh, he started playing in Toronto in '33, huh. but like for junior, and then yeah. um, and then he was in the C, for some reason went to senior after that, and then he was then he was in the states in a minor pro leagues. Anyway, it's weird. Yeah, I guess the Leafs felt like they didn't need him yet. Anyway, um, all right. Uh, how are you doing for time? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, right. Because we got two more guys, and then we're and who are going to take a lot more I mean, time. I've got some soup on the stove, but uh, it's just simmering <laughs> right now, so we're okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, now I just need to write myself a note to deal with this little break. <laughs> fine. No, it. no, leave it in. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I I listen to a podcast called uh, Behind the Bastards, and it's about uh, it's called the the very worst people in history. And it's just basically like stories of terrible, terrible people. And sometimes less terrible. Like they can get a little, they're very, the guy's very left wing. And sometimes he picks up people who are just like jerks, yeah, you know, current jerks. But like, sometimes it's a bit like episodes about Hitler and Saddam and stuff like that too. And, you know, any also anyway, it's, it's, it's comedy. It, it's like they invite a comedian on to talk okay. uh, about terrible people. And it can be very funny. And I also learn stuff. So I like it, even though it's very, it's, you can see the reviews. Sometimes people are like, they're so far left. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. You know that going in. So get over it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, uh, Hitler probably bad. Um, yeah. Well, no, the thing is there are some, there are some guys who, like there's some of the worst people in history and then they have people, they lump into the worst people in history or just like, you know, a dude who they're annoyed about on the internet or something. It can be a little, I, I don't know. I feel like Alex Jones could be called a pretty bad person. Yeah. Yeah. He's he, yeah. He's in there. I mean, they've, they've got, hundreds of episodes at this point yeah. so there's a lot of people anyway the reason i bring it up is because like every fifth episode they talk about cutting stuff but it's okay. left in 
they leave it in every single time. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> just quite funny. It's almost like a bit at this point. They yeah. just like, yeah, we'll cut that. And, yeah, and, yeah. You know, it just never is cut. I, th- I think they owe Conan O'Brien some some royalties for that. That used to be his go-to move. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot we'll, of podcasts. We'll fix that in editing. Yeah. Like, no, we won't. We don't have any budget for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, lastly, uh, we have, or lastly, second, penultimately, rather, um, we have Peter Pelot, uh, who played from 1955 to 1969, did manage to briefly play for the Maple Leafs. <laughs> almost all Maple Leafs episode. Though I don't think he was very good by that point. Uh, plus five in his final season. Um, he is notable for being in some ways the like the first really like true offensive defenseman, I think. Um, you know, like if you say it's Red Kelly or Doug Harvey, of course, that could be true too. But like even, you know, he was... I, I never watched him play, obviously, but he scored at a rate that was higher than those guys. And, of course, started his career like 12 years-ish before Bobby Orr. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he was the uh, third uh, defenseman all-time in assists in his retirement. He retired in 69, uh, behind only Doug Harvey and Bill Gadsby. Greg Kelly is ahead of him, too, but Greg Kelly spent half his career forward. He was third all-time in points. As well, behind only Gadsby and Harvey. He was second all time and the first defenseman in plus minus behind only his teammate, Sam Makita, which makes sense. They were, even though they won one cup, they were very good the rest yeah. of the time. He was 13th all time among defensemen in games played, and he was uh, ninth all time in defensive point shares, which is interesting that that's lower, but that makes some sense because, of course, like I said, offensive defenseman. Um, he was the fifth defenseman all time in offensive point shares at his retirement, uh, behind uh, Eddie Shore, Bill Gadsby, King Clancy, and Doug Harvey. And he was 19th all time total uh, among all players in point shares and 10th defenseman in point shares. So, you know, a top 10 D total overall, possibly, and absolutely one of the top couple offensive defensemen ever at that point. Um, when he retired, he was first all-time in assists per game among defensemen by .06, which is a fair amount. He doesn't qualify for either goals per game or points per game, but if we lower the qualifiers, he was uh, first all-time in points per game by a defenseman at his retirement. Of course, he didn't. He was two points shy of the hockey reference leaderboard, but you know it's safe to say he was first all-time in points per game among defensemen. Bobby Orr had yet to completely explode at that point. Mm-hmm. I think it was literally the season after he retired that he he went and you know, scored 100 points for the first time. Uh, so obviously that record didn't last um, very long at all. Um, the 11D to play in at least 738 games uh, between 1955 and 1969. He's second in goals, second in goals per game, um, but doesn't actually qualify. First in assists by 84. 84. Wow. That's a lot. That's uh, first in assists per game by 0.05, which is you know not quite as much, but still very much a lot. Um, and uh, sorry, and um, first in points if you don't include Doug Moans and Greg Kelly, who were both playing forward by this point in their careers. Mm-hmm. First in plus minus by 31. Again, large number. 
Yeah, fourth in defensive point shares and first in point shares by nearly five total point shares, which is again a large number. That's a chunk of a good season. Um, so uh, you know, he was uh, at least offensively, he was the best defenseman of his era, and it's not really close. Um, unless all you care about is goals from defensemen, which is weird. His eighty-two <laughs> game average is forty-six points, which is quite high for an original six defenseman, and eighty-eight point six point shares, which is also fairly high. His three-year peak of sixty-three to sixty-six is a seventy-game average of fifty-five points. That's like not a point per game, but it's not that far away for a defenseman. Plus thirty-eight, nine point seven point shares. I mean, that's it's real. That's really good. Um, it's just really good, uh, especially given how low-scoring the position was prior to him playing. Um, he was the 10th defenseman all-time in playoff goals at his retirement, the second in playoff assists, uh, and he was uh, he was notably uh, 17 ahead of the, the third guy. Um, I believe the person ahead of him was... Uh, was it? it was Ray Kelly? Kelly and... Uh, oh, Harvey. Duh. Um, he was second uh, D all-time uh, in points, playoff points is retirement, and he was 15 points ahead of third place. Uh, plus seven, so which somehow makes him 16th the all time, but that's because they had only started recording plus minus a little bit earlier. And he was the 10th defenseman in games played. Um, per game, he was first defenseman all time in playoff uh, assists per game. Um, at his retirement with five or six qualifying players. Of course, Bobby Orr was going to destroy that momentarily. And he was also first in points per game among defensemen. Again, Bobby Orr was about to destroy that, but still, you know, he was before Bobby Orr. He was the both regular season uh, and uh, playoff assistant points per game leader among defensemen is, is, I think, very notable. Um, my dog just showed up from his walk. <laughs> so he's uh he's demanding that I say hi to him. So that's okay. Um you want to be on the podcast, Merrick? As long as you don't kill me. <laughs> uh yeah, he, he's gonna say I'll kill you if you don't put me on the podcast. Of <laughs> uh, the twenty six defensemen to play in at least forty one playoff games between nineteen fifty five and nineteen sixty nine. He is fourth in playoff goals, fourth in playoff goals per game, though he doesn't actually qualify. First in playoff assists, notably, he is 10 assists ahead of Red Kelly, who, of course, by this point was playing as a forward, um, and 15 ahead of Doug Harvey. And we're talking about, um, you know, how, how many playoff games did he play? We're talking about 80, 86 games total. So, you know, that's 15 points over 86 games is, is a lot. Uh, he's first in playoff assists per game by .07. He's first in playoff points. He's first in playoff points per game. He's tied with Kelly, but of course Kelly uh, was a forward at this point, so that means that he was you know, the first defenseman. 11th in playoff plus minus, 4th in playoff games. The adjustment for error bumps about 5 points to 51 points per 82 games, and Hockey Reference has him 20th all-time among defensemen in adjusted assists per game still to this day, so that's pretty great. Versus X, he doesn't qualify for goals, obviously. He does qualify for assists, uh, but he's not in the top 25 in versus X adjusted assists per game. He was traded at 36 for Jim Pavin, 
um, right at the very tail end of his career uh, when the Blackhawks were, I guess, going in a different direction and he was, you know, old. Um, and like he, like I said before, he had one year in the Leafs. So he won a Norris three times. Um, when I did my Norris recount thing many, many years ago on my blog, I decided he deserved between three and five. I think three is fair. Um, and that's tied for the fifth most ever behind Bobby Orr, Doug Harvey, Nick Lidstrom, and Ray Bork. So, you know, that's pretty good company. Uh, he was also top five in Norris voting a further five times. So that's, you know, eight years that he was among the best defensemen in the league. And how many years did he play again? 13? 11? 14. Played 14. So over half his career, he was considered one of the best defensemen in the league. One of the top five defensemen in the league. Uh, that's that's fantastic. Top five in Calder voting. He was a first team All-Star five times and a second team All-Star three times. And those two combined, those eight All-Star appearances, are the fourth most ever for a defenseman behind only Bork, Siebert, and Volkoffi. So, again, that's pretty damn great. Yeah. Eight All-Star appearances. Hockey Reference um, has him as the best defensive player in 60 and 67 and has him as a top five player uh, by point shares in 65 and 67, a top 10 player five times, a top five defensive player four times, a top 10 defensive player six times. So slightly out of whack with the Norris uh, nominations, but still, um, you know, still pretty good. Um, obviously, he was a defenseman. A, a high-scoring defenseman at a time when high-scoring defensemen didn't exist, and so he's not really on a lot of offensive leaderboards. He was top five assists three times, top five in assists per game four times. He had 40 assists three times, um, and that was uh, tied 12th most ever at his retirement and the most ever by a defenseman at that point. Wow. Only one defenseman had ever had 43 assist seasons, which is crazy. Um, now, I don't remember if I'm excluding Ray Kelly from that or not. He, of course, he played half his career forward. Uh, he was top 10 points once, top 10 points three and once. He was the only defenseman to have 50 points three times when he retired. Again, Bobby Orr was going to shatter all of these, like, literally yeah. days days later, practically. But, like, <laughs> you know. Uh, he led the league plus minus twice, which is tied the third most ever, which is really weird. It shows you how random plus minus is that, like, leading the league twice in plus minus puts you third most ever behind Bobby Orr and Wayne Gretzky. Like, what's that about? Uh, he was top five four times, which is tied sixth most ever, and he was top ten six times, which is tied the fifth most ever behind Bork, Gretzky, Orr, and uh, Serge Savard. And then lastly, uh, he was probably the best player on the 1961 Hawks that won the uh, Blackhawks that won the championship. Let's pull up that roster and justify what I was saying because, you know, Given that Bobby Hall was on that team, that might seem like a hot take. However, uh, if I can find the playoff scoring, Pilote outscored Bobby Hall by one point, and he was uh, better in plus-minus. And I'm making an assumption here, but I presume he played more, too, because he's a defenseman. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, his... His case is, uh, like, I, I'm shocked. <laughs> Bobby Bob Hall had four goals that year. Pilote had three. Wow. Makita had six, but the thing is, Makita only had five assists. Pilote had 12. So I think, without ice time, it, you could say it's between Pilote, Bobby Hall, and uh, Glenn Hall, who had a 937 save percentage. Uh, save percentage. 
which is pretty good. Incredible. But Pelot had 15 points in 12 games and presumably was playing like, you want to say at least 25 minutes a night, right? Yeah. Be my guess. I mean, if someone's out there and knows that he wasn't, please tell us. Uh, but I would say, based on the information I have in front of me, to me, he was the best player on the that one Blackhawks championship. You know, the the first time they won in ages, and then the last time they won until 2010. So a fairly big deal for the Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, he also was probably the best player on their team in 67, but they got eliminated in the first round. He was the best defenseman by points on two runners up, the 62 and 65 Blackhawks. And he was the best defenseman, probably, in the 68 Hawks who got eliminated. Anyway, he was a he was a playoff performer, as we already know. I mean, I think he's a no-doubter. I think he probably doesn't get talked about enough in the conversation of the best defenseman of all time. Yeah, seriously. And I think it's partly because uh, there's a couple reasons. Um, he retired right before the offensive explosion, so all his offensive achievements look like nothing now after Bobby Orr destroyed them. Um, also, like, he played on a really good team with, like, three other no-doubt Hall of Famers, one of whom we're about to talk about. So I do wonder if he gets sort of forgotten in the discussion of Hall Makita. And, and even Glenn Hall doesn't get talked about as, enough, but, like, I don't know. I feel like he gets forgotten, it seems a little bit. Maybe yeah, not definitely. Chicago, but certainly among, you know, like I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about him. He might have also, maybe he wasn't as good as his own end as people like. I, I, I do not know. Yeah. But like, still, like the numbers still pop. I mean. Yeah. The, yeah. Listen, this is these are his Norris finishes from 1959 to 1967. Fourth, fourth, second, first, 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 second, second. Wow. That's like, yeah. you take out the wins. That's Brad Park esque. Yeah. Uh, and like I said before, that's like the three Norris's puts them in some of a very elite company. Very, yeah. I understand that some of that was coming from scoring, but yeah, one of those years he like shouldn't have won. But there's another year when I was doing the, uh, the I found that there was at least one other year he shouldn't have won in '63, but there was another year I can't remember which which he should have won, and maybe another one as well. I mean, there was a few. I think Doug Harvey, like this is true, Lindstrom, Ed Harvey, their their last Norris's are super questionable. And I think one of the years Harvey won, he probably should have won. It might have been 62. But, like, Harvey had, like, a one year he won the Norris, and he was on the Rangers, and he just didn't have a good year. And it's like, yeah, it was minus nine. Doug Harvey is minus nine and won the Norris in, in uh, 62. Uh, Pelote outscored him and was plus 14 for a better team. Yeah. I just, like, well, that was a that was a total uh, Doug Harvey's the greatest defenseman of all time award, like Lidstrom got. Anyway, I mean, I think he's no doubt. I there's not even that much to talk about. I feel like. No, really, no. <laughs> he's, he's the, sure. the real question is like, is he like, is he a top ten D all time? And I yeah. I I don't remember our conversation anymore from the summer, but like, I, I, I feel don't think like, I had him on my list like anywhere. Yeah. And maybe maybe I maybe I need to revisit that. <laughs> Of course, I, yeah, I, I mean, he mine on like the back of a battery pack, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's certainly, certainly <laughs> the best offensive defenseman ever, for sure. Um, and uh, you know, he also was like, you know, he led the league in penalty minutes one year, so it's not like he was a pushover. Um, 
And yeah, the fact that he was possibly the best player on a cup winning team really, really yeah. makes me think. You know, I, I wish I knew the ice time for that team. Yeah. I'd love yeah. to know how many minutes a game he was playing for well, that team. Give yourself a little homework. Go back and watch every game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep a keep a chronometer. <laughs> right, right. Every time he gets off the ice and off, and like note it down and yeah. Yeah, and then you've got to do the same for all the other uh, star players too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to see if Bobby Hall was like double double shifted. Yeah, you, you know, it, it'll only take you a few weeks. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. It's definitely worth my time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, it's funny because when we were talking before the, we started recording, I was like, well, there's one no doubter and one pro. Well, two no doubters, but one best of all time, and then you know. Yeah. One, no doubter. And honestly, after reading Pelot's resume, I'm like, oh, he was definitely yeah. certainly pre Bobby Orr. He is up there. Oh D. yeah, like what? Like maybe him, Harvey, and uh, Red Kelly, Eddie Shore, yeah. uh, King yeah. Clancy, George Boucher, and I don't know if that's anybody else. Yeah. yeah. And He's, I don't yeah. even know what to say about like George Boucher and King Clancy. Like, who the hell knows? They played so long, right? All right. So lastly. We have uh, someone whose name to come up a lot when we've been reading uh, leaderboard stuff about goalies in our various episodes recently. And that is Glenn Hall, who played 18 seasons between 1952 and 1971, 13 as a starter, two as a what you call a 1A, and three as a backup. He played from 52 to 53, and then again uh, from 54 to 71. I believe he was just... He was quite young. First, uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah. He went, oh, he's also on Detroit, and they, they quite know what they And then he became their starter, and then he went to the Hawks. Uh, so he was eleventh uh, all time. He is currently eleventh all time in wins. He was second all time behind Sajak. He was. He is currently sorry. And as retirement, sorry, 11th in losses. Jesus, Jesus. Uh, third <laughs> at retirement behind Sawchuck and Lumley. Both, uh, well, Lumley, we've talked about Sawchuck is coming up on a future episode. He was yeah. second, all, he is second all time in ties behind Sawchuck. He's fourth all time in shutouts to this day behind only Brodeur, Sawchuck, and Hainsworth. He was third as retirement behind Sawchuck and Hainsworth. Um, he's eighth all time in minutes, and he was second all time in minutes as retirement behind Sawchuk. Of course, he's going to be behind Sawchuk in a lot of things because Sawchuk played like crazy. He was second all time in games played as behind Sawchuk in goalie games played. Uh, he is 14th all time in point shares to this day. He is the sixth goalie. He was the second goalie all time as retirement behind Terry Sawchuk. His 240 goals saved above average uh, is eighth all time. And he was barely second all time behind to his retirement. So by that metric ever, he was barely the second best goalie ever. He was the best. But that is, of course, a cumulative stat. Comes from playing a lot. He was 13th all time in goals against averages retirement, which is really notably high because, of course, if we said many times when we talk about the goalies, the goalies in the 20s and 30s had really, really low GAAs. So the fact that Glenn Ball is 13th all time now is and also of course scoring has gone down again so the fact he's still 13th all time or sorry he's 13th all time at his tar- retirement i mean um that that's impressive he was fourth all time at his retirement in save percentage by the esposito bauer and plant um he is now 14th all time so still quite impressive 
Of the 19 goalies to play at least 205 games between 52 and 71, he is first. That that sort of eliminates Saja. Uh, I guess it does eliminate Saja. He's first or last in losses. He was first in ties. He's last in goals against. Played a ton. He was third in save percentage, third in GAA, first in saves, first in shots. Notably, he's first in saves by almost 5,000 and over 5,000 ahead in wow. shots. So that's crazy. Wow. That's, he's barely second. In goals saved above average, again, behind Jean Plant. First in shutouts by five. First in minutes by over 5,000. And first in games by an entire 182 games. So the guy played a lot. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, his season average, if we just divide all his seasons and split them, uh, you know, and, and try to figure out what his average season was like, he was 23, 18, and 9. Five shutouts, 9.9 point shares, 13.3 goal saves above average. If we change that to an 80 game average, 37, 30, 15, eight shutouts, 35.8 point shares, which is like just that's insane. Uh, that can't be, that's gonna be a typo, <laughs> it's impossible. Uh, and uh, 21.7. Uh, goal save above average which is pretty great. Um, for some reason, I seem to have forgotten to calculate his three-year peak. That can be quite hard with goalies. Uh, he was in playoffs. He was 23rd. He's currently 23rd all-time in playoff wins. He's fourth at his retirement by, behind only Jacques Plante, Dirk Broda, and Terry Sostrak. He is seventh all-time in playoff losses, though, uh, and he was first slash last at his retirement head by 18. Uh, again, he played a lot, and he played for the Blackhawks, who won one cup and lost a bunch of cups. So, something to do with that. Uh, he also was 10th all-time in playoff shutouts at his retirement, though that's only 6th. Um, or only 6th total. He was first all-time in playoff games by a goalie at his retirement. He's now 14th. And his playoff number is not so great. Minus 3 goals saved above average. Keep in mind that save percentage didn't exist for the entirety of his career, but most of it. He is sixth all-time at his retirement in playoff save percentage, and he was 19th all-time in his retirement in playoff GAA, despite the bad GSAA number. Of the 13 goalies to play in at least 20 playoff games between 1952 and 1971, he is second in playoff wins, last in playoff losses by 22, quite far behind, uh, quite far ahead, I guess. Last in playoff goals against, again, that's comes from the volume um, that he played. Eighth in playoff save percentage, so not anywhere near as good as uh, regular season. Eighth in playoff GA, same thing. First in saves, though, by 575, which is a lot for the playoffs. First in shots against by 675. Seventh, somehow, uh, in playoff goal saved above average, despite being minus three, so that's weird, but that's also because it's a recent stat. Only started when his career started, basically. Uh, third in playoff shutouts, first in playoff minutes, and first in playoff games uh the adjustment forever for era rather uh he's 250.8 goal saved versus average uh that is a internet adjustment that tries to uh rank the guy uh, next to a theoretical average goalie he is eighth all time in that stat which is pretty yeah. uh, in terms of gold saved versus threshold which is uh, against a sub optimal like a a a bad goalie, basically. The theory is that it's sort of like a, almost like a Mendoza goalie. Like, it's basically like a, a goalie who, who, you know, some teams are going to have a below, below average goaltending. Mm -hmm. And by that metric, he has 
920, oh, sorry, 924.9 goal save versus threshold. That's sixth all time. Um, his adjusted GAA is 13th all time. His adjusted save percentage is also 13th all time. So by those stats, he's a top 10 or top 15 goalie ever. He has uh, one major trade, a, a big and, and, and uh, bad trade, but <laughs> necessitated, bad trade for the Red Wings, necessitated due to things that were going on with Ted Lindsay and not Glenn Hall. He was traded at 25 with Ted Lindsay, who was nearly 32 and causing a lot of problems by wanting to, you know, get paid properly. Um, yeah. To the Blackhawks for Ray Preston, Hank Bassett, Forbes Kennedy, and Johnny Wilson, whoever those people are. Um, so the, the Red Wings gave up one of the best goalies of all time and one of the best left wings of all time for those guys I just read out because they didn't want to pay Ted Lindsay more money. So good job, Red Wings. And also the Blackhawks prior to Glenn Hall's arrival were like a sad sack franchise, legendarily like thought of as the Red Wings farm team. So it's incredible that they just like went out and gave, uh, you know, um, the Blackhawks like their starting goalie for their entire 1960 like dominant, you know, oops. Um, he was, uh, one, two, three, four, five. He he finished top five in heart voting uh, five times. Um, wow. Yeah. Which <laughs> is a lot for a goalie because that doesn't really happen that much anymore. It does not happen that much. Um, he he is tied for the ninth most Vezinas ever. He got three in 63, 67, 69. But of course, um, it was the Jennings back then. So it means mm-hmm. a little bit less. Uh, he won the Conn Smythe in 1968, one of the few players in NHL history to win the Conn Smythe on a losing team. Um, and honestly, uh, his numbers are not that great. So uh, <laughs> that had a lot to do with the stupid way the league expanded and put, uh, you know, I, I think you can safely, we can we can talk more on this a little bit later. You can debate uh, whether or not it was Pelot or him who was the best player on the 61 Hawk, Blackhawks, but in uh, in 1967-68, when the Blues went to the final, they went to the final because of the stupid way the divisions were set up. And <laughs> actually, sorry, I'm looking at his regular season numbers when I say this. I should look at his playoff numbers. Sorry, he might have had really good playoff numbers. Let me find those. Uh, where is his playoff numbers? 60. Oh, my mistake. No, no, not great. Not great. Played a ton. Played an absolute ton. Uh, we'll... we'll Look into that in more detail in a second. Um, but anyway, he did win a Conn Smythe, and he won for a losing team, so a little bit like Jaguar, uh, a thing that really, really happens. He also won the Calder in 1956. He was a first all-team, uh, first team all-star seven times, which is the most ever by a goalie. He is a, he was a second team all-star four times, which is also the most ever by a goalie. So you'll be shocked to learn that he's the most ever end-of-season all-star team appearances by a goalie at. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11, which is a ton. That's crazy. He, um, you know, he played 13 seasons as a starter. At 11, he was deemed one of the two best goalies in the league. Crazy, as you just said. Uh, 13 all-star game appearances as well. So every every year he was a starter. Uh, he led the league in wins four times, which is tied the seventh most ever. Uh, he was top five 12 times, which is the third most ever behind only Sawchuk and Berdur. And he was top 10, 16 times, which is second most ever behind Sajak. 
he was only one of eight goalies at his retirement to have 35 wins once because it was a seven-game league. Uh, he led the league in shutouts six times, which is the second most ever after Clint Benedict from the 20s. So he's the only like, you know, real modern ver- uh, goalie to ever uh, do that. Um, he is tied most all time in terms of being top five in shutouts with 13 times. He's top 10, 16 times the third most ever behind Sawchuck and Plant. He is one of only 19 goalies at his retirement to have 10 shutouts once. Uh, and he is one of only six goalies ever to have five shutouts nine times. He is one of only three goalies ever at his retirement. Sawchuck and Plant being the others were shocked by that. Uh, he led the league in shots against twice, which is tied fourth most ever behind Tony Esposito, Gump Worsley, and Connor Hellebuck. How do you pronounce his name? Hellebuck? Hella. I don't I think it's watch Hellebuck. Hellebuck. Oh, I said it right the first time. Great. I was like, I don't watch enough hockey. I could be totally screwing that up. Pretty sure that's what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, he was top five 11 times in terms of shots against, which is second most ever behind Esposito. He's top 10 14 times in shots against, which is the most all time. So when we say goalies get shelled, Glenn Hall got shelled. Um, he led the league in saves twice, tied fifth most all time behind Tony Esposito, Gump Worsley, Hellebuck, and uh, Curse Joseph. He's top five 11 times in saves tied the most all-time with Esposito, and the same is true for top 10, 13 times tied most all-time with Esposito. It is also worth noting that when I say top 5 11 times in saves, nine of those were top 3, actually. Uh, Save percentage. He led the league in save percentage twice, which is tied 6 most all-time. He used top 5 12 times in save percentage, which is the most all-time. Keep in mind, save percentage has only been tracked since the mid-50s, but still, that's still damn impressive. He was top 10 in save percentage, 15 all-time, uh, 15 times, sorry, which is tied the most all-time with Jacques Plante. He is one of only seven goalies ever to have a 930 or higher save percentage at least once. He is one of only six goalies ever to have a 925 or higher save percentage four times, and three at his retirement. The other two were Bauer and Jacques Plante. He is one of only five goalies ever to have a 920 save percentage seven times. Those goalies are Lundqvist, Luongo, Hashik, and Plant, and obviously it was him and Plant only at his retirement. So at his retirement, like obviously save percentage hasn't been tracked that long, but he is one of the best goalies of all time, and it's very clear. Um, he led the league in goals against average once. He's top five in GA 14 times, which is the most all time. Uh, I think that's pretty damn impressive considering GA has actually been tracked the entire history of the NHL. Uh, he's top 10 in GA 15 times, which is tied third most ever behind Sasha and Plum. He had a, he was, um, under 2.25, uh, GA three times, one of only 16 goalies ever at his retirement under 2.59 times, one of only 13 goalies ever and five at his retirement. And those are, uh, Plant, uh, Dave Kerr, I think it was, was it Dave Kerr, uh, Thompson and George Hainsworth. In terms of gold saved above average, uh, he led the league in GSAA four times, which is the third most ever behind only Plant and Hashik. He was top five 11 times, and 10 of those are top three. And the only person ahead of him is Esposito. He's top 10 13 times, and the only person ahead of him is Patrick Waugh. I'm sorry, there's a lot here, but it's because he's on a million leaderboards. he was plus 35 in GSAA once, one of only three goalies ever at his retirement. Plant and Esposito were the others. Plus 25 three times, one of only 17 goalies ever, one of only seven at his retirement. 
Uh, plus 27 times, one of only six goalies ever, and the only goal ever at his retirement. Plus 15, eight times, one of five goalies ever. Those goalies are Waugh, Esposito, Billy Smith, and Luongo. So he's the only goalie ever in his retirement to do that. He led the league in minutes seven times, which is tied most all-time with Broder. So he was a workhorse like Broder was. Uh, top five, 12 times, um, tied most all-time with um, Harry Lumley and Terry Sawchuk. And again, those top ten, uh, ten of those were top three. So if we had, if my format was different and did top threes and top five separately, he would look better. Uh, top ten, 15 times, uh, which is second most ever behind Terry Sawchuk. Of course, Terry Sawchuk was like the ultimate workhorse in many ways. He um, he met he was uh, he played 4,000 minutes uh, seven times. He's one of only four goalies ever. Uh, Broder, Kiprasov, and Sawchuk. He uh, hit the 3,500-minute mark 10 times, one of only three goals ever, Broder, Wall, and him. Uh, he was the only goalie ever to do this at his retirement, so quite quite the workhorse. His adjusted peak, he's 13th all-time in save percentage, 9th all-time in goals, goals versus average, and 4th all-time in goals versus threshold behind only Hasek, Esposito, and Ken Dryden. Phew, that's, that's a lot of accomplishments. And, yeah, no kidding. Uh, and then uh, we get to uh, his playoff uh, success. That even though he had those not as good playoff numbers, he still had a fair amount of playoff success. Uh, yeah, like we said before, he won the Conn Smythe in '68, and I I was looking at his regular season numbers. He probably whether or not he deserved the Conn Smythe in '68, he definitely was the best player on that Blues team. Um, he led the playoffs in games shots, saves, shutouts, and minutes. And the leading scorer of that Blues team in the playoffs was Dickie Moore, 37-year-old Dickie Moore with 14 points in 18 games. So, uh, you know, it was Glenn Hall. I'm just going to look up the 68 Canadians to see who could have won that. Corn YA had 14 points in 13 games. Gump Worsley had a 930 save percentage and a 188 GA. I think maybe that's Worsley's or Conway Ice. It's, it's weird they gave it to Glenn Hall, but whatever. <laughs> it's not like he was bad. It's just like he, his team lost, and they yeah, got swept, too. So it's like, you know. I guess the theory was the Blues are only in this because of Glenn Hall, but really the Blues were only in it because some team from the shitty division the NHL created had to be in it. Yeah, absolutely. He was probably the best player. Um, oh. Issue with my notes. Hold on a second. I have him listed as the best player for an unknown team. But he did a lot of things, so let me see playoffs. Uh, it looks like maybe I'm talking about uh, the 61. Yeah, so we have that thing again where it might have been that he... Um, it's between him and Pelote for the, the 1961. Con Smythe had it existed because he led the playoffs in games, wins, losses, uh, goals against... Shots against saves, save percentage, goals against average, shutouts, and minutes, which is pretty great. On the other hand, Pelote, you know, had like way more than a point per game and was a defenseman. So I don't, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like you said, Bill, we might have to like go back. And watch. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Eh? I have no idea. Uh, so, uh, also, he might have been better on the '65 Blackhawks. 
on the 65 Blackhawks, who I believe lost in the finals. Yep, they did. Uh, he led the playoffs in games, wins, shots, saves, and minutes played. Um, let's see. Did did uh, Makita or Hull really distinguish themselves? They did. They lose. They lost in seven games. So, oh yeah, I think we can give that one to Bobby Hull. Ten goals in fourteen games. I think that's Bobby Hull's. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> um, all right, uh, and then uh, um, he was the starter uh, of the '62 Hawks, the uh, Blackhawks, who got to the finals as well. He led the playoffs in games, wins, shots, saves, and minutes. And I should point out that in, in some of these, he also played every minute. He didn't have a backup in all these. He also uh, was a starter, the starter of the 56 Red Wings, who also made it to the finals and lost. Uh, he led the playoffs in games, shots, saves, and minutes, and he played every minute. And uh, he also played every minute in a bunch of uh, first-round exits for the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. So he had some um, Blackhawks uh, sorry, he had some uh, playoff success. It is notable he uh, lost his starting job for the Blues to Jacques Plante, but you know they were both in their late 30s. So, because the next two years afterwards, he was uh, he was Plante's backup in '69, and she, I think he was tandem with him at '70, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, an absolute no doubter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One of the best goalies of all time, and I'd say like Pelote a little bit underrated now. I I would say underrated because <clears throat> we're talking about Pelote for the um for the top ten D men of all time, and I like I just never thought of him. And yeah. when I was just sort of starting to like think about it a little bit for the goalies, his name didn't cross my mind until very late in the process. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to re- I'm gonna have to totally reconsider that. Like I'm gonna have to make sure I I really. Uh, I really have a look at him stats wise because I it, it's weird I forgot about him being the goalie for St. Louis. I don't know why. Oh, I just yeah. completely did. Like just don't yeah. know why. Um but yeah, he's uh that's that's a hell of a resume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean it's exhausting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it, it really is like uh it's a long I mean it's far and away the longest uh notes we had for this episode and um, like a page longer than Pelote. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he was one of those things is like, he, he was one of those goalies where he only had like, you know, a year or two, like he had a year where he led the, he had, well, in many years where he led the league in shutouts, but he had one year where he wrote, like he had a, he might have even set the record for shutouts. I don't, I don't know, in, in 55, 56. But like he only led the league in save percentage twice. He only led the league in GA once. But when you go to the longevity, he was good for so long. It's insane. It's just him and Plant, and in some cases, Waller Berdur. You know, and, and in some categories, Sawchuck, but those are the counting ones. But like he was just good forever. You know? Yeah, like absolutely forever. Yeah, and it's uh, it's uh, I don't know, it's 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 really really impressive. I remember when I was assembling it, and I was like, I knew, like I knew it was coming, because every time when we did Jock Plant, for example, or we did Johnny Bauer or those other goal or Worsley or whatever Lumley, his name always came up as being one of the guys that was ahead of them on the leaderboards. You know, 
but like you still sort of have to see it all to like you know um to see, see it all to sort of uh have it sort of hit you in the face a little bit like you're like oh my god and like the comparison with like you know the first few guys we talked about it oh first two guys we talked about it. if you go to their hockey reference pages you go to armstrong's and there's like one or two things you know there's one regular season black ink and there's a couple playoff black inks and bailey it's the same thing there's a few more you go to glenn halls and the, the black ink from 1955 to 1966 it's a ton of stuff oh yeah led the league in this led the league in that you know over and over and over again yeah it's like a it's like a like a resume of somebody who's <laughs> applying to a fortune 500 company <laughs> yeah 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 this it's and quite i did impressive. this and i did this like it's unbelievable somehow i somehow missed his point share stuff um, yeah he was the best player by point shares in the league one two three four five six times he was the best goalie by point shares in the league six times um so you know that's more of a value thing yeah uh but still um i mean he's definitely one of the best ever is uh when he retired it was very clear this is what him and Pelot, like obvious obvious cases i think drill it too but like yeah they had both retired relatively recently why it took Pelot six years to get inducted i don't know i guess we'll find out when we talk about the 1974 class but like the fact that uh you know uh the fact that these guys waited um yeah Holt waited one year Pelote waited two years after their three-year eligibility was waived That's sorry uh Pelote waited three years sorry is bizarre you know yeah, i understand a little class. bit like sorry unless the class before them was so good but even yeah. then they didn't have a limit so yeah um like and it also it's weird too that like this is the class that was like okay we're inducting too many guys i mean i get it with armstrong but like you know <laughs> And I understand why Gordy Drillin had to wait a long time. He played such a short period. But, like, these two guys, it's like, why did you make them wait? And like you said, Bill, maybe there were some guys. I mean, Beliveau would have been around, right? Beliveau retired, I think, 70 or 71. So he would have been yep. there. Um, I don't know who else. But, like, yeah, uh, maybe Ray Kelly. Uh, anyway, we'll find out. Um, but it's just... It's crazy that these guys, either of these guys, especially on Hall, had to weren't inducted in their first year of eligibility. It's bizarre. This is the class. This okay. Here, it's gonna get. It's getting bad, Bill. This is the class <laughs> of 1974. Billy Birch, Art Coulter, Tommy Dunderdale, Dickie Moore. Moore. Oh boy. So one of those guys off the top of my head. Oh, two, oh. maybe two, is an all is an all time great. Yeah. Uh, or maybe all time great. Certainly a Hall of Famer. The other, the others, uh, I gotta look at my notes. Yep. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's sure you wonder why Glenn Hall and Pelot weren't just like in immediately. Hall, that was Hall's first year of eligibility, and that was Pelot's second or third. His third. <laughs> yeah, third. Bizarre. Yeah. Anyway. All right, so Armstrong, yay or nay? Really tough. Um, oh, I don't find it tough. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say no. Yeah, I say no. 
Unless someone comes along and says he's one of the greatest defensive players of his era, forwards, I mean. Yeah, well, somebody in, in 50 years, somebody will say that about Kevin Lowe, and you'll go, you won't be able to prove it. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least hey, there's Norris voting. He 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 did get a he did get some Norris votes, but he got very few compared to his contemporaries. Whereas we don't have Selkie votes for Armstrong. So, Ace Bailey. Yes, I'm going with him in as a builder. Okay, but still yes. Uh, Gordy Drillon. Yeah. How can I pronounce that more English? <laughs> uh, whether it's Drillon or Drillon, uh, he's I. I'm shocked to learn how great he was. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. Crazy that, like, he yes. his career was cut short by World War II, and then he's just like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to yeah. be back to I, I already proved everything I needed to. I needed yeah. To prove yeah, I was, like, basically one of the best goal scorers in NHL history up to this point. Good. Yeah. Pierre Pelot, obviously, I don't know, maybe even a top 10 D all time. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And lastly, Glenn Hall, I think, probably a top 10 goalie all time. Yes, uh, he's at least in the conversation. But I would yeah. say after hearing all that, I think I'm going to have to find a way to get him into the top 10 and probably kick out uh, somebody more contemporary that I had in there that I saw with my own eyes. Top five is Hashik Wah Plant. Uh... I don't know, because the problem with like Tony Esposito is he was just really good for a very, very long time and sucked yeah. in the playoffs. And the problem with Bernie Perron is that he was um, really, really good for two years and then yeah. like okay for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know, I, I know, I'm good with those three, and then after that, I have no idea. I'm, we're going to do that episode one day. So. We will. We will. Maybe. Uh, soon. Oh wait, did I, did I put in Dryden too? Was it? What did I say? Ha- oh yeah, sorry, Dryden Hashik Plant. Uh, wow. That's the top four. There we go. And then I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I think Glenn Hall belongs in the top ten conversation for sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. And honestly, if he'd had more playoff success, he would be, I would think, top five. But like the fact that he only won one cup. Yeah. And like sure. that year when he dragged the Blues team to the finals, it's like, yeah, but like you had a 916 save percentage. Like, you weren't yeah. actually, you know, you, your team is in there because the league is dumb. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, that's it for this episode. And uh, next time we will have probably the 1974, the, the hilarious, now we know hilarious class of 1974. Um, or we will have an, uh, one of our remaining all-time lists. We haven't figured that out yet. But anyway, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Take care.